Welcome back into the Card Chronicle podcast. Mike Rutherford and Danny Snard back with you here once again. And folks, only one way to start this one. Here we go. Oh, it just gets the juices flowing, Dad. I mean, if you don't automatically think of, like, Leitner running down the court with his hands in the air when you hear that, like, you're just not a human being. It's I mean, just the, like, it's every time I hear it, like, I've, I've legit got goosebumps right now, but it's this, it's this weird mix of excitement and nostalgia, but then, like, nervousness. Because, like, right when the song ends, you're like, oh, my God, it's real. Here we go. Here we go. So that's, I mean, just, like, no... 10 second piece of music gets that type of emotion out of me like the CBS college basketball theme it, it like I hear it and I immediately think of Greg Gumbel and I think of like all right like usually the last Sunday before March Madness that's when like Nance starts working his way under the CBS broadcast and you're like all right things are getting serious now I do love that Nance now because of CBS's contracts he's calling like shitty American athletic <laughs> conference games in the two it, yeah. used to, it was like us versus UConn he was doing those games like the Big Ten game it's like here's Tulsa versus SMU Nance is like I'm calling the goddamn Masters a month from now what am I I've got my own seat at Butler Lodge <laughs> in Augusta National what are we doing here guys come on that's so funny no you're exactly right He's like, and the Hurricane Faithful rises one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, Nance is so above the AAC. Oh, God. All right, well, we have to talk about the fact it is March. Um, currently, the UofL women are, I've got the game on in the background here, at halftime in their ACC tournament opener. They're up four on Wake Forest right now, a Wake Forest team that played them pretty close earlier in the season. We had a brief A-10 skirmish between St. Bonaventure and Duquesne. It's the most wonderful time of the year, uh, but we do have to touch on the fact that the last time you and I recorded, first of all, I promised three podcasts this week, didn't deliver, but not my fault. If we had played Virginia Tech uh, on Wednesday, we would have had three podcasts this week. We still almost made it happen. Uh, Keith Wynn was going to hop on and talk a little bit about the new football coaches and Luke McCaffrey and all the stuff that's been going on with spring practice. We're going to end up doing that, I think, at the beginning of next week, uh, so we couldn't make that happen, but... The last time we talked, we were all excited, and I said, I, I shouldn't even said it out loud. I said, every time that we start to feel this way, we start to get really excited, something terrible happens. So I'm fully expecting something bad to happen tomorrow. 24 I mean, hours, we yeah, find yeah. out William done for the year. Uh, 24 hours after that, we find out Virginia Tech, the game on Wednesday is going to be canceled. Don't go to parties, kids, allegedly. Uh what are you doing, Hokies? What are you doing? Um, again, allegedly, don't go to parties. Good God. Um, now, their status for the ACC tournament is a little bit up in the air. But, Dan, it has been quite almost an appropriate first week of March, given the way that the preceding four months have played out. I mean, is this because of us? Like, I mean, <laughs> we hop on this podcast last year that canceled the damn tournament. Every time we're ready to come on and throw a ticker tape parade they just pull the rug right out from underneath us like i'm afraid to even like say anything positive because i'm gonna like wake up like murdered in my bed with a horse head like it's just honestly it feels like it, it, it's as much as i want to be excited like i have to check myself to be like okay 
you know, just reel it in here, Dan. We, we, we got a long way to go before any of this even plays out. So, I mean, am I looking forward to the game tomorrow? Like, can I say yes? Am I allowed to say yes? Like, I don't want to say it too loud, but um, yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it's weird times for sure. But I feel like, I mean, knock on wood and I literally am knocking on wood. Like we've, we've almost reached the finish line where we can enjoy the, the pinnacle of the sport we love. I think everybody's kind of in that same boat too, where it's, you know, I mean, this game on Saturday should be huge. Like this is an enormous game. If we win, we'll we'll talk about all this a little bit later, but if we win, you know, we get a double buy. I think we, we end any sort of doubt about whether or not we're going to be in the NCAA tournament. Plus it's Virginia. It's senior day. We're saying goodbye to maybe the first player to win conference player of the year in a Louisville uniform in almost 30 years. Like all of that stuff's happening and it's like everybody's refusing to get excited because they don't know if the game's going to get played. We have become conditioned to just expect the worst now. And, and it sucks because if you go back, I, it is eerie looking at all the stuff from a year ago, like this week. And it's going to only get more eerie next week when all this stuff starts getting ratcheted up. But like yesterday was the anniversary of the A-10 announcing that they weren't going to let coaches shake hands after their tournament games. They were going to start doing the fist bumps and all that weird stuff started happening. But the one saving grace about or the one saving grace that we tried to hold on to a year ago when the NCAA tournament got canceled was, you know, next year, 12 months from now, when March Madness is back, we're going to embrace it more than ever before. And like we're not we're still not really there yet because everything is 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 so awkward. It's so weird. And from a Louisville perspective, we've had so many games canceled and so many pauses and and so many just bad things happen. It's almost like you can't get excited for the game themselves but we're going to try on this podcast because i think there are there are a number of reasons to be really really excited about this weekend really nervous as well about this weekend it is a monster game but i wanted to start off with this it's senior day every year since i've done card chronicle since all the way back in 07 08 whenever that was we've always written these senior day or senior night sentimentality posts where we you know have big write-ups on the player who's leaving, who we're saying goodbye to and what they've met and all that good stuff. And it's, it's some of my favorite posts every year. This year, I mean, this is the weirdest senior day of all time. And it's I, I'm debating whether or not to even write stuff because obviously you've got Carly Jones and how special he's been. But there's been some talk that he could – he has a decision to make. I, I don't think he's going to come back for another year. I'd be shocked if he did. But that's at least out there. Same with Malik Williams now, who we got to see for three games this year. Not going to see again. Is his story over? Uh, like it's just it's it's awkward to write something about him right now. And then Charles Menland, who has hardly played this year. I, I don't. It, it seems like just based on the last couple of games, he's not going to play a huge part in Louisville, whatever it does or does not do down the stretch here this season. It's just have we ever had a senior day or senior night this strange? I, I just don't know how to approach it. Yeah, I, I mean, you're exactly right. I mean, it's strange as in the fact that, like, so much is up in the air with our three seniors. Um, and, I mean, you just touched on all of it. But it, it, senior days just, I mean, they don't hit the same as they did back in, like, the late, you know, mid-90s, late 90s, early 2000s. And, obviously, that's because, you know, the game has, has changed. We have a lot more guys jumping to the NBA early. We have grad transfers um but to me that was always my favorite game of the year was going to senior day getting the getting the senior day posters like i absolutely love those things 
Um, and they'd usually show, you know, they had the video on the board of them like growing up playing like a <laughs> five for fighting song or something like that, um, <laughs> which I kind of kind of shook me every time. Yeah. <laughs> but um but no i mean it, it is and it sucks because i mean especially when you're looking at a guy like malik i mean this guy's given so much of this he's put in so much of this program and to be quite honest he hasn't gotten the same out of it as someone who's put in as much as he has probably should so i mean i want to pay this guy all the respects and thanks that he's put into this program but you know, he, he could be back next year. And then, I mean, obviously with Carlique, we, we know, um, you know, he's a, a, up there, a front runner for ACC player of the year, but you know, is he going to jump? So all, all these questions yet, it, I, I still, you know, appreciate what these guys have done for the university. And uh, as much as like, you know, I want to celebrate them. I also in the back of my mind, I'm like cross my fingers, like, God, just, you know, especially, I mean, Malik and Carly, like, just come back for one more year selfishly. The, the other really weird thing about this is the guy that, the, the only guy that I think we're all certain is not going to be back next year is not even going to be honored. Like, David Johnson, I think we're all more sure is not going to be a Louisville Cardinal next season than we are Malik Williams, Carly Jones, or, or Charles Minland, and he's not going to be talked about, which is, I think, understandable. I, I, I like that we've done it a couple of times with juniors in years past. I, I think we did it with Jordan Wara last year. I know we did it with Gorgie back in the day and and Francisco Garcia. I think Earl Clark uh, as well. So what if we put what if we put Aiden through the senior day ceremonies? <laughs> <laughs> Just like walk him out there with flowers. Like, yeah. all right, guys, you knew you knew it all along. No, I don't want to speculate. The Aiden, I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't even know what to say to that. But I mean. Senior day, you're right. Like some of the most fun moments of all time. Some of the like the the weirdest moments too have come from senior day. I mean, it's objectively hilarious now that Patino didn't let the seniors talk after they lost the USF. <laughs> one of, one of the all time moments. It really was like, like I'll, I'll never forget that. Kirk was like was like everybody's going to the locker room and Kirk was like standing out there like um like like looking around like can you guys come back like are we gonna do this and Patino's like get the fuck off the floor. No, I mean, it, you're exactly right. And like Rick, like, I mean, as much as he would act like, oh, I don't want to like, you know, it, it's it's about the players like Rick absolutely loved being in those moments where he oh, could just kind of ad lib on the mic. Oh, my oh. God. He just lived for it. It was his favorite day of the entire year. <laughs> He had jokes for the managers whose name he probably like learned five minutes ago. Like he, it was he was he was absolutely in his element on those senior days, and he was always almost always more entertaining than the players. I mean, sometimes they've given there were some really good speeches over the years, but a lot of times like the players just didn't know what to say, and they would like I'll never forget being at Preston Knowles senior day, and like I'm I'm all emotional. I'm ready for him to just deliver this heartfelt talk about how he was under recruited and became a Biggie's player, and he gets the mic and he's like. Can I get a hot tub? <laughs> like what? I completely <laughs> forgot about that. He did say that. Oh my god. Yeah. You forget like the I mean these kids are in college. They they you know, they're they're not publicly speaking all the time and we're following these guys every move for four years and yeah, I mean something like that happens. You're like, okay, all right. It always builds off of the first speaker too. Like if the first speaker goes for like ten seconds and is like you know, love you guys, like, go Card Nation. We're not done yet. Like, everybody gets the mic and says the exact same thing, even if they wanted to give a longer speech. The one exception I remember was, like, 
way back in the day, Luke Whitehead. Like everybody else had talked for like 20 seconds. Luke talked for like 15 minutes. He just like when you, it was like an Oscars acceptance speech. He was just thanking his like sixth grade coach. It was wonderful. I, I loved it. Like that was awesome. Um, but senior day always, always interesting, always fun. And there's the weird element of it because they do the pregame ceremonies where the players come out with their families and you know the, the fans get there early and they stand. And it's kind of this odd, you know, you've got to shake off this emotion and focus on what is almost always a really important game this late in the season. And this year going to be no exception. We should also make mention of the fact that, I mean, our first game of March this year, which again, fully indicative of everything that we've been through, not just this year, but the past five years, we're finally back in action. Of course, it's against Virginia, our arch nemesis, the team that everybody hates watching Louisville play against. Dan Dockich is on the fucking mic after his billionth controversy that he gets out of, and Teddy Valentine's on the whistle. It just, it's unfair, but totally appropriate. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I can't even really add to it. It just seems like, I mean, I'm just happy we're playing, obviously. Like, whatever the circumstances are at this point, I can't complain. Um, I mean, everyone in the world hates Dockage. It's not a big secret. Can't believe he still hasn't gotten fired yet. Um, you know, I hate the whole, like, oh, but like, he's good as a commentator. I'm like, there's a lot of good commentators that, like, and he's you not- know. Yeah, like he's not great. He's not like all world, um, but he he obviously thinks that he is. But yeah, I don't know. It, it, it is what it is at this point. I, I'm just trying to, you know, hope I'm for myself. I'm just focusing on like getting myself in the right state of emotion before this game tips off, because it, it's kind of like I, not that I'm not ready for it. But I, I think as soon as the game starts, the gravity of just how much is on the line for this game is truly going to hit. And I'm going to have extreme anxiety. Uh, I'm right there with you. And real quick on the dockage front, I think we've said this before on the podcast, but the whole, yeah, he's a really bad person, but boy, he calls a great game. He's one of my favorite commentators. That drives me crazy because if dockage was a normal human being, and just like a, a nice, didn't say the nastiest, grossest, weirdest shit on Twitter or on his radio show, nobody would think he was a great analyst. We lower the bar so far for assholes that it gets to the point where it's like, yeah, he's kind of a dick, but man, he can tie his shoes. Like, you got to give him credit for that. He's, he's, he's sounding like a real, he puts words together and he sounds confident when he says them. What a, like, he clearly knows his stuff. He was a terrible coach. He's not good at his job. He tries to do the, um, Tony Romo thing where he predicts plays. He's wrong 95% of the time. Like, just pay attention. I, I know he says things confidently and authoritatively, and he uses all the right lingo, but actually listen to what he says. Like, he'll be like, they're going to pin down Hornset here to try to get the ball into Anderson on the block, and he's going to turn around. The exact opposite will be happening while he's trying to describe the play, and then they'll take a three, and he'll be like, now that's a bad shot right there. Well, it, it went in. It went in. But, uh, you know, I, I don't think Fran's going to like that shot. He's wrong about everything that he talks about. And it drives me crazy that people have anointed him as some sort of, you know, commentating genius just because he's such a dick in every other facet of life. But anyway, I went on too long there. But No, I, I mean, you're right. Like, I was on Twitter this week and, like, you know, whatever controversy he was just in, I've lost track of, like, just all the, the controversies he's been involved in. But, like, he's got his, like, family defending him on Twitter. And I'm like, do you think, like, when he gets home, his family's like, you know what, Dan, maybe, maybe we should just back off and, and 
do something else. Like get a, get a real job so we don't have to dig out of your shit every single time you put your foot in your mouth for the million time. He's like, yeah, all right, maybe I will. And then he like gets to ESPN talking like about to put his resignation. And then he's like, I'm not fucking leaving. I'm not fucking leaving. Like I just can't believe he's still employed. And it's not like he's, you know, Jay Billis or whoever the equivalent is for the other sports that ESPN covers. Like he's, if Dockage disappeared tomorrow from ESPN broadcast, nobody would notice. Like the average sports fan would have no idea. They may read about it, but if you didn't put out a press release or any sort of big to do, like coverage would go on and nobody would care. I, I just, I don't know why ESPN bends over backward. And even for smaller stuff, like this is a man who is employed by the worldwide leader in sports, the biggest name in sports coverage, who on his radio show said definitively that Jeff Brom was going to be Louisville's next head football coach and gave the date when it was going to be announced was completely wrong and nobody cared. Like like one of their reporters, if you want to use reporters in quotes, or one of their employees reported something very big, a very big news story, and ESPN didn't run with it. Basically saying like, we don't believe this guy who we pay handsomely, I would assume, to cover sports. It just, it makes no sense to me, but Anyways, we'll move on. I, I, I want to go back to what you were you were mentioning before I got off on this Dockage rant, because um, I totally agree with you. I, the gravity of this game, I don't think, is being fully acknowledged by Louisville fans this week. And maybe it's because we're just fatigued and because the I think if Wednesday's game had happened, it would be totally different. But this is an enormous game. Like, this is the ramifications for this one are very, very big. For starters, it's Virginia. I think. If you win this one, I, I think we kind of put to bed the whole Virginia owns us type deal, even though they will have a decided advantage in the series and they still would have a winning record versus Chris Mack. But the whole like we can't beat them no matter what thing I think goes away when you've won two of the last three and you've beaten them in consecutive years. And by the way, shout out to Virginia fans listening to this. Um, Virginia is the the basketball fan base in the ACC that I know for a fact, like they, they listen to this podcast more than any other fan base does before we play them. They used to do the same thing with the radio show back in the day. So I, I know some of you are listening. Hopefully we don't offend you too much, but uh, we don't like your program. We don't like that you beat us all the time. We'd love to win on Saturday, but I think that's that's one thing. The second thing is you earn the number three seed in the ACC tournament. You don't have to play on Thursday. You're one win away from the, or you don't have to play on Wednesday, I should say. You're one win away from the semifinals where you would play probably Virginia, again, who you would have confidence. Like this is... This is an opportunity for Louisville to finally make a deep run in the ACC tournament. And to get there, you just need to win one game to get in that position. The, the, the last thing, and maybe the most important thing, you're in the NCAA tournament. And I know Louisville fans listening are probably saying, everybody's saying we're already in the NCAA tournament right now, no matter what. I, I don't know. Like, like, I would like not to chance it. I, I, exactly. Like there are Bids could be stolen in conference tournaments across the country. Teams that are currently on the wrong side of the bubble could win two or three games in their league tournament. You just don't know what's going to happen. And also, Louisville's in the bizarre position of not having played as many games as just about every other power conference team in America. Kelly Dickey put the stat out. I don't have it in front of me, but I think he said only two other power conference teams have played as few or fewer games as Louisville has so far this season. I know Boston College was one of them. I can't remember who the other one was. So you don't want to put yourself in the position was let's say, where let's say Duke loses to UNC on Saturday and then loses first game of the ACC tournament. They fall below 70 in the net rankings. If Louisville doesn't win another game, they'll have no quad one wins on selection Sunday. And the committee will be forced to look at it and say, 
do we acknowledge that they had all these games canceled by COVID, that they had less opportunities than everybody else? Or do we say you had some opportunities, you played five or six quad one games, you won none of them. We can't reward you. Like we can't put you in the tournament when you have nothing for us to hang on to. Like that's, that's a very real possibility. And winning this game on Saturday totally avoids that hypothetical. Yeah. And I mean, if, if you d- somehow did lose this game and then you go to the ACC tournament and, you know, lay an egg in the first game, do we really want to put our fate in the hands of the NCAA committee? Like, I, I would just have zero faith if we lost out that something good would happen. Um, and maybe I'm maybe I'm looking too much into it because um, obviously, you know, the cards are our favorite team. So we're always looking kind of pessimistic to see you know, what the bad side of things could be. But, I mean, you're exactly right. You know, they win this game, it opens up, you know, not only, like, good seeding in the ACC, like, uh, obviously the, you know, the draw is going to be better because we got Virginia. Like, like you said, we, we should have some confidence. We're, we're avoiding, like, Florida State. Uh, they'll be on the other side of the bracket. And then, mm-hmm. you know, make a run in the ACC tournament, and you're looking at improving your seed. So, I mean, just you can't really understate – you know, how big this game is on Saturday. And it's unfortunate that, you know, they're, they're going in without Malik Williams. I know he only came back for a couple games, but it seemed like we were kind of getting into a rhythm. So it, you hope that with this long week of practice and no COVID pauses that we, we've kind of, you know, hammered out all the kinks and are ready to go. Yeah, as far as the ACC, ACC tournament is concerned, if Louisville wins on Saturday, if we beat Virginia – we're going to be, I think there's like a 99% chance, we'll be the three seed in the conference tournament. Um, if we lose, we're more likely, we're more than likely going to be either the six or the seven seed. So we're going to be in that night window. We're going to be away from Florida State. But if you win and you're the three seed and you beat, you know, a decent team, potentially the six seed, who I guess would be, was it NC State, Syracuse, they're vying, they're along that level. If you beat one of those teams and then make it to the semifinals, all of a sudden we're talking about Louisville being on that seven line for the NCAA tournament with a chance to get even higher. You're avoiding the possibility of playing Gonzaga, Baylor, or Michigan in the second round. Also, you, you have momentum, too. If, if we do get into the tournament but lose these next two games, does anybody really think we're making a run as an 11 seed or a 10 seed or whatever we would be? Like, that would be – you need to at least have a little bit of momentum. So, again, like I think Saturday's game is just monumentally important for this team – not just for seeding purposes or getting into the tournament, but for the confidence level of this team. I also think you're going to see the fans, like where we are collectively going into postseason play is going to be almost entirely defined by this game. If we lose to Virginia and look anemic and they do what they've done to us so many times before and just make us look woeful on offense, then I don't think you're going to have a whole lot of confidence from this group. There's going to be a lot of fans who are just like, let's get this over with. Let's see what happens. If we win this game, I think all those positive vibes that we had last Saturday after the Duke game, they come back. And everybody's saying, you know, Carleek is great. David's a pro talent. Sam's playing as well as we all were hoping he would play. Let's take those three and everybody else and see what we can do. Like, like we've got something here. We've got a chance. Um, So, again, you don't want to overstate the importance of a game this year, but especially given the lack of sample size that we have this year, having only played 18 games, it's it's huge. And and Virginia also, we haven't mentioned this, kind of right for the picking. They have not been playing well. 
they haven't lived up to their preseason expectations. They're going to be top two in the ACC, but they're not what they've been in past years. They're kind of doing the reverse of what they did a year ago where, you know, I think they were equally unimpressive for the first couple months of the season, but they're fading this year, whereas they were really surging last season. They have, I don't know how much you've seen of Virginia, but I think they're pretty easy to sum up, to, to me at least. They're always going to play that good defense, but their two guards are really good defensively, not great on offense. Their forwards, pretty good on offense, not great defensively, and then Jayhov is pretty good on both ends of the floor. Like To me, that's, that, like, that's Virginia right now. Yeah, and it's funny, you think back to last year, like how, and I mean, this. I know that this team is, is different than last year, but we had two completely different style of games. You had the game in the Yum Center where, you know, we expected like a grinded out, you know, low scoring affair. And it just seemed like everyone from both teams um, was going off and it ended up being a high scoring game that we came out on top. And then the senior day at Virginia, that was more the prototypical Louisville, Virginia, although it was still, it was, it was, there was more offense than we usually saw in the past between both Louisville and Virginia. But yeah, I mean, it's so weird. Like you talk about like the team not being able to get in a rhythm um, because of so many pauses. Like you said, this game is big for the fan base. Like it's been hard for the fan base to get in any sort of rhythm or get a read on this team. Like, Sure. Every, I mean, with Malik going down, it's like, all right, we're we're back here. You got Chris Mack saying that he wants Jalen to play the four. So now you're wondering, like, is J.J. Trainer going to get more run at the five? Like, we're, we're to March, and we still have so many questions about what we're going to see on the floor, it seems like. So I'm interested to see how they come out Saturday, how they respond after a, a whole week of practice. I actually think that'll be really good for this team. Um, but – yeah, I mean, we've we've said it 20 times. This is a game that your Virginia is ripe for the picking. If you can win this, it just makes everything else it seems like so much easier. I think real quick, one thing on the Jalen Withers stuff. I, I think fans have maybe run with Chris Mack's comments a little bit too much, saying they want to keep him at that position. If you watch the press conference, if you listen to him. I do think that he wants Jalen to play a little bit of the four, but he also said, like, he implied that Jalen was going to be moving back to the five a decent amount. Like, I don't think it's just going to be J.J. Trainer starts at the five, plays 30 minutes a game. They try to play Jalen at the four, too. Jalen's going to have to do a little bit at the at the true center position. I think when he was saying we want to have him in that position, the question was about him being more on the perimeter um, on offense. And I think that's what Mac was responding to a little bit more. Like I would expect him to play both the four and the five moving forward. Like, I don't think it's going to be the Gabe Wisnitzer era at center. is not a <laughs> just yet. It, it, it hasn't happened just yet. Um, I, I think they're going to be mixing and matching a little bit, which is a little bit scary to be talking about here on March 5th with the postseason, you know, less than a week away now, but uh, again, I think what works and what doesn't work on Saturday, and you hate to use Virginia as this type of litmus test because they're so unique uh, in what they do defensively, but I, I think they're going to see what works and what doesn't work in this game and use that and, and kind of figure out how they're going to go into to Greensboro next week. But it's just, yeah, I, the Malik Williams stuff couldn't have come at a worse time. And I think they were all really surprised by the results of the, you know, the, the test results on Monday because – it sounded like they thought after the game he just got stepped on, he landed weird, he may be a little dinged up, he may miss a game or two, but he's still going to be okay, and, and that wasn't the case. And now everybody's kind of adjusting on the fly 
And in a weird way, you're, you're right. The Virginia Tech being, game being canceled gave them a little bit more time to figure out how they're going to adjust to this. The guys weren't playing the fly. Although I, re- I really would have liked to have played that game on Wednesday. VT's not playing very well. Jalen Cohn, who killed us in, in the first game, is hurt. And that would have been a nice quad one win for us to eliminate this whole what-if discussion. But uh, you know, it's let bygones be bygones at this point. But what's your like, – as far as if we're comparing this to past Virginia games, where's your confidence level? Like, are you still in the hole, like, we can't beat these guys, doesn't matter what's going on? Or are you looking at this more analytically and saying, yeah, they're not really good, they're not playing all that well, we should have a real shot here? Well, I, I don't think these this Virginia team is – nearly what we've seen in the past. So in that sense, I do feel confident. It's, it's more our team that I'm unsure what we're going to get. Um, I mean, I feel like we've played good at home, which is a good sign. Um, but again, just with, you know, with all the changes, all the breaks between games with, you know, guys going in and out of the lineups, it's it's hard to know what ex- to expect. But I mean, if you were saying, I, I'm definitely more confident than in past Virginia games for sure. Um, but I, I, I still think it's going to be a close game, a tough matchup. Um, but like I said, this isn't the Virginia of, of years past. All right. Um, we'll, do, we'll, we'll save predictions for the very end of the pod. We'll get back to Virginia talk really briefly. You guys submitted a bunch of questions. We want to get to as many of those as possible. But before we do that, money again, this episode of the Card Chronicle podcast Brought to you by the fine folks over at Homefield Apparel. If you want gear to get ready for March, hit up homefieldapparel.com. They've got all this cool retro UofL gear. They've got Duncan Cardinal Bird doing stuff. They've got a an awesome Louisville Hoops sweatshirt. They've got a Louisville Hoops hoodie. Check out all that stuff there and use that promo code CardChronicle, all one word when you check out. That's going to save you 30% off your first purchase from Homefield. Follow them on Twitter. Uh, follow them on Instagram. It's at Homefield Apparel on Instagram, just like it's spelled. It's at Homefield Apparel with no E in apparel on Twitter. They'll keep you up to date on all the latest deals, all the latest schools that they've got in their collection. Homefieldapparel.com. Go there. Enjoy the madness. Can't recommend it highly enough. And a big shout out to them, as always, for bringing you this podcast. All right. Uh, let's do some questions here. We got a bunch. We'll try to zip through as many of these as possible. Uh, Josh Mark says, similar to Rick's Matthew Hurt praise, what are some of the all-time Rick Patino hyperbole stories that you remember? My favorite is, I think this is the most famous one, Mike Mara being the greatest high school shooter he had ever seen. Um, my favorite, the Mara one is probably the most infamous. I think that's the one that everybody remembers. But my favorite, and I actually wrote this for a chapter in my book, was how often Patino would call whoever they were playing in the NCAA tournament the toughest first-round opponent he'd ever faced. And if you just Google Patino, Louisville, toughest first-round opponent, like a billion stories come up. He called Louisiana Lafayette the toughest first-round opponent. He called Stanford the toughest first-round opponent. He called Boise State the toughest first-round opponent. And I don't know if he did it intentionally or not. I like to think that he did, but it was just, I laughed every time he did it. It it was my favorite thing, one of my favorite things every single March. So that would be my answer there. I remember one game, I mean, my favorite thing, like almost even more than the games, how sad it was, was listening to Rick um, with Valvano on the post game, because um, he just would have some gems. Like usually he was, he would be pretty critical, but like the games he was in a good mood. I'll never forget Jared Swapshire had like a really good game. He's like, you know, Jared, Jared reminds me so much of Scottie Pippen. <laughs> I 
was like, oh my God, Rick. I was like, head to the bar, buddy. Get a martini and relax. Like, Jared Swapshack, Scotty Pippen. I absolutely lost it. But he had so many of those that I like, I actually lost track of most of them. But oh God, that I, I remember me and my dad like bust out laughing in the car. Uh, El Frito says, will Gabe go for 15 and 10 while taking Jay Huff's girl? Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, ar- no argument there for sure. Um, I-, I see 15-10 as a minimum. Does Gabe score in this game, Are we, if we're being honest? Does Gabe score against Virginia? No. I, it, if, if Gabe gets run, like, if he gets any run during the game, it's going to be, like, the last minute of the first half or if things have somehow gotten out of hand, which I hope that's not the case. But I would be surprised if he got a lot of playing time in this game. I mean, in all seriousness, Jay Huff is a terrible matchup for the guys that we have in the front court right now. He is, I mean, I guess J.J. Trainer will get a solid amount of a chance to go up against him, but that's not a good matchup. Withers obviously has a, a height deficiency. We may have to throw Gabe out there and just rough him up a little bit. Just use some fouls. And, th- and this is where you, this was the perfect game for Malik Williams to play in, but hey, he's, he's not around. Uh, Mark Ennis, Radio's own Mark Ennis says, is it sad that I said Jay Huff looks like he belongs in the Spin Doctors and neither Luke nor Pat uh, knew who that is? Um, I, I, I'm familiar with the Spin Doctors. I couldn't tell you what they look like. Yeah, don't give me. I don't want any Spin Doctor trivia for the love of God. Like, it's probably <laughs> one of those, like, when I listen to their songs, I'm like, oh, yeah, the Spin Doctors. But, um, yeah, please don't give me any trivia on them. Uh, Bryce Woolley says, Carleek is the best point guard since who? Oh, that's a good question. Um, if we're not counting, I don't think you can count Donovan Mitchell as a point guard here. I know he played some late in the season, but Quentin Snyder was still your starting point guard. Um, uh, Russ, I don't think, I don't think Russ, you, Russ or Terry could be categorized as true point guards on either the 2014 or 2015 teams. So I would say Carly Jones is the best level point guard since Peyton Siva. Yeah, I mean, that was the answer I had. I'd say he's better than Chris Jones. If you're not going to classify Terry as a point guard, then, yeah, I would say Peyton Siva. I mean, I feel like we need to have a five-minute Carly Jones segment on this podcast. But like we've said so many times over the past couple months, what else can we say about the guy that we haven't already said? Like, he fucks. He's he's awesome. He's the coolest. Yeah, no, I mean, if if he wins ACC Player of the Year and then leaves, that'll be just like the weirdest dynamic of all time. Like, like remember that year we had Carly Jones and like none of the fans were allowed there, and he won ACC Player of the Year. Like, it, it just this whole year has just been bizarre. Jack says, not a Virginia question, but in your opinion, what is the perfect day or time? For a college basketball game, I'll let you take that one. Oh man, that is a great question. Um, whew. like there is something about March Madness, like playing in the day that it hits a little bit different. Um, man, if if we could have like a Saturday second round at, we'll say. 3 p.m. Like, I don't know. I love that. Like, you, you're able to 
kind of start day drinking, like not too early, but kind of at the right time. And then if they win, you can enjoy the rest of the night and watch all the good games that are on. Well, and the thing is this year too, first round is going to be Friday, Saturday. So there's a, there's a possibility that we could play like that noon window on a Saturday. I feel like the, I either, if we're talking about the first round, I either like being very first or very last because like very first is so high risk, high reward. If I can't win, do that after Minnesota anymore. That was too well, much. It, it ruined it for me. And Morehead State was also that first window. Um, but we've had some good ones. Like, we played um, Davidson in 2012 when we went to the Final Four. That was the opening window. Like, we've had some – and when you win that game, it's such a relief, and you get to sit back and enjoy the next two days. Like, that's awesome. But if I had to choose, I'd go the smart play. i go the late Friday in the normal setup, uh, the last – window there just to make sure that I get to enjoy especially now with a kid I want to make sure that I can get her down and watch the full game and not have to worry about anything so like that's that would be my pick there if we're just talking strictly NCAA tournament if we're talking like, like that's, regular, that's what that yeah that's what we call the California window the late Friday game uh let's see here West Elton Pole, shout out to the catfish he says what's the over under on Dockage mentioning how much he loves the city of Louisville knowing that he's trolling all the UofL fans who hate him. Yeah, he'll do that. He'll he'll do this effusive praise for Louisville to try and hedge his bets. They'll also do this, like, wink, wink, nod, nod, slight mention to the fact that he's been embroiled in another controversy this week. I don't know who's calling the game with him, but they'll do, like, Any, anything else happened to you this week, Dan? And, like, he'll chuckle as if it's some just terrible – and just move on, like some thinly veiled reference to it. Those Both those things are absolutely going to happen. Yeah, I'm sure he'll he'll bring up the scandals from years past as well. Like there's that'll hit the bingo board. Uh, Andy Pants says, "What Josh Pastner joke are you going to say today that is going to make me laugh out loud?" Did you see the Pastner dance, Dan? I did, and like it was great. But we have to we have to talk about that Georgia Tech Duke game first. So okay, let's let's set set the stage. It first off, like Georgia Tech completely is has that game in hand the last three minutes at home against Duke. They need it for their tournament lives. They're up by what is it? Uh, were they up by two or three when they called the timeout? I'm not sure which. I, I remember it was a tie game when they called timeout. It was. You're, you're right. It was. A, you're right. Okay, it was a tie game. They call a timeout to draw up a play. <laughs> and I mean, the play is. Alvarado shooting a longer NBA version of a Steph Curry three. And I mean, this thing airballed by 20 feet. Like they ran the shot clock down and just watched him dribble out the clock only to launch maybe the worst shot out of a timeout I've ever seen. Luckily they won the game, but it was a uh, big laugh out loud moment for me. Uh, One of the hardest I've laughed this year in 2021. They, if you haven't, if you didn't watch the game, Dan's totally right. They call timeout tie game and a regulation. Pastner during this timeout does not stop talking. Like he is, he's a madman. He, he's shouting. He's doing things. He, he's pointing at people. They come out of this timeout. I'm like, oh, let's see what he's got here. He's been talking a lot. He, he's making a lot of moves here. Jose Alvarado dribbled the ball in place for 20 seconds and then missed the rim by 35 feet. Like that was that was the entire play. And they went to overtime. Like that was it. Um, and then they won in overtime. Pastner does the weirdest dance I've ever seen in my, my entire life. Um, he might be ACC coach of the year now, though. He's getting like they're going to be in the NCAA tournament. He's getting buzzed for that. 
And that would realize our shared dream of Pastner being forced, faced with the dilemma of whether or not to keep wearing the face shield. It could happen. I mean, yeah, we've we've dreamed in this moment. We truly are living in the bizarro world this year. I mean, it's just every any strange thing that can happen is happening. George Sexton gonna win it all, going to the final four. Uh, RMJ equals H. He is a uh, Virginia fan who says 2019 Who squad versus the 2013 Louisville squad. Who you got? I mean, I'm, come on, I'm yeah. picking the 2013 team. Like this is. Uh, this is no I still I still don't know how that 2019 Virginia team won it all. I mean, obviously, you know, they had DeAndre Hunter, Kyle Guy, Ty Jerome. I mean, they were all studs, but I just I still can't believe that style of play ended up winning. I mean, they should have lost to Purdue. Um, and I mean, we were the we just were dominant that whole tournament run. It felt like besides the Wichita game, but I don't know. It's uh, for me, it's an easy choice. Yeah, they were losing with less than five seconds to go in all three of their last three tournament games, which is just insane that they were able to win all three of those. And also, I mean, they were down, they were down at halftime to in the one sixteen game again to Gardner Webb. They were down, I think, their largest deficit of the season. They were down like twelve or eleven or something. Um, and, and you're right, we kind of just beat the brakes off everybody until I guess the final four game against Wichita State was a little tight. I mean, we did what we had to do. Corey Mattingly says, behind Tony Bennett, who's the most likable person that you wish you could dislike? Um, that's a good question. I like most people, though. Like, that's – yeah. if you're if you're a likable person, I find it's hard for me unless you just do something terrible directed solely at me. Like, Dabo, I guess, would is, is kind of the answer, but I don't think he's actually a likable person. Like, I, I don't think he's nice. I think he's, he's fake. I think Tony Bennett is genuinely a nice, likable person. You know who I, like, have grown to love, which maybe people don't like him, but I think they've grown on too, is Bob Huggins. Like, I absolutely yeah. adore Bob Huggins. Um, I think he's awesome. And he kind of had that rap early in his career that he was, like, a smug asshole. But, I mean, if you talk to anyone, anyone that lived in Cincinnati, anyone that encounters him in the college game, they say he's generally, like, one of the better guys around, like, to meet. They say he's just such a nice guy. Yeah, I've never done a bigger 180 on a sports figure than I have Huggins. Like in the 90s, he was the he was the dominant evil figure in my basketball world. Like he he was way more hateable than even Patino or some of the other coaches that that were you know more successful back then. But I mean, they those Cincinnati teams were terrifying, and there was this whole notion that they you know had no academic standards and they recruited terrible people and all that stuff, and they were dirty and just. And now, I love the guy. He's hilarious. Uh, Doctor of Dunk says, why the fuck would Virginia wear high heels when she exercises? How is that endearing? Great question. <laughs> yeah, I'll let you take this one. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a bad song. She, nobody, she only drinks coffee at midnight. That's counterproductive. What are you, what are you doing, Train? Wait, grow up, Train. Um, let's see here. Half of these questions are about Dan Dockage. Uh, I, we've already talked way too much about Dockage. Uh, Raylan Mann, he says, do we know the identity of who made the awesome highlight videos on YouTube who was known as Villain HD? No, oh, I never my. found out. That's like the question of the year. I like Every time those came out, I was like, I have to meet this guy. Like if, if we ever made a tournament run and this guy just showed up dropping YouTube and Villain videos... I don't even know if my heart would be able to take it. It would be too much. 
yeah, if we if we like won the ACC tournament a week from Saturday, and then on Sunday afternoon, all of a sudden Villain HD video pops up, like I would just, yeah, I'd probably cry. It, it, it would happen. Chris Best says, who's the most likely to light up Louisville tomorrow? Huff, Hauser, or Wolden Tensei? I think it's, I feel like it's Hauser. God, he's been, you took my answer. Yep. Uh, he's kind of had a quiet year for, like, yeah. you expected a lot of them, and you're, you're waiting for it. And so I could see him sneaking up on us. He was kind of the big brain preseason player of the year in the conference. I know Garrison Brooks got it because 95% of the media who votes are, are from North Carolina and Brooks was established and he's been in the league and all that stuff. But most of the, like the blue ribbon yearbook and all those previews, like a, I think a majority of them had Sam Hauser as their preseason ACC player of the year. And he's been fine. He just hasn't been all that good. Uh, shot the ball pretty well in their last game against Miami. I think he made four three-pointers, and it feels like he's due for one of those types of games. He and his brother. Joey hasn't been that good for Michigan State either. Um, both a little bit disappointing. So, of course, they're probably going to go into the postseason by just lighting everybody up. So, Hauser would be my pick. Um, hopefully, I'm wrong, but we'll see. Um, I'm trying to find – everybody's just – do you think that – there are a couple questions here about criticism of Chris Mack. If this season doesn't wind up going well, is he on the hot seat? Are the criticisms justified? And I know that this is another thing that we've we've kind of touched on briefly. It feels unfair, especially given that we didn't get a postseason last year. Like if we're talking about Chris Mack coming off of a run to the Elite Eight last season, like that team gets it right and they they have a great NCAA tournament. Maybe they go to the semifinals or the finals of the ACC tournament. We view Mac totally differently. On the same same side of the same of a different coin, if Louisville flamed out of the NCAA tournament last year in the first or second round, we're probably more critical of what's happened this year under Chris Mack. So it, it's just it's so hard to judge him given the bizarreness of the first three years, the NCAA stuff still looming. Like, I know what's going to happen if these next couple of years don't go well. If we're not like back in that top twenty-five discussion and we're not a legitimate threat to, to play deep into March. I know the fans are going to get restless, but I just don't know how fair that is. Um, it's just, it, it's it, it's an impossible discussion to have, I feel like. Yeah, it, this, it's been such a weird dynamic with him at the helm. It's like, it feels like it changes from hot to cold, from game to game or week to week, when really, like, we haven't, unfortunately for us, haven't had enough to grade him on yet. Um I, I feel like it's an unfinished product, but the thing is we don't know like when the finished product is going to be. So right. I, I think he deserves the benefit of the doubt for now. I don't, I think if, I mean like we would never make a move in a million years, but if we did, I don't think right now we would get anyone nearly as good as him um, to take over, especially with the stuff that we potentially have looming hanging over our heads. But um, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what happens these next couple of weeks. I, I, I think it'll go a long way in how the fan base views him for, you know, not just next year, but for maybe the years to come. Who would be, let's say, Dream World, guys that we know wouldn't leave, but but you could land? Who's your dream replacement right now if you had to get a new coach for whatever reason next year? I mean, the, the the answer I feel like a lot of people would say would be um, Chris Beard down at Texas Tech. Um, uh, but I, I'm sure there's other guys out there. I mean, I can't think of any right now off the top of my head. 
Um, he seems like someone, I mean, obviously uh, going from Texas Tech to Louisville from a like historic program is, is a jump, but you know, would he want to do that with what we have coming, coming potentially down the pipe? I don't know, but he would be probably my number one choice. I'm still going Jay Wright. Like that would be, I mean, I, he's got enough good years left in the tank. The style of play, the charisma. I think he, I know he would inter- in the real world, he's never going to leave Nova. He's never going to leave Philly. He's, he's born and bred. He's going to stay there, I think, until he retires. But if you could get him, that's who I would go with. I, I still think he's he's really, really good at what he does. Um, I like this question. Kendall says, if the team got superpowers, who would be the most heroic? Who would be the most villainous? I'm going, I mean, most heroic, I've got to go Carly Jones, just because he's got the hero gene. Um, and then this is, I'm going to defend this answer. Most villainous, I'm going Sam Williamson. And I'm, I'm justifying that by saying he's too pretty to be like a secondary hero. Like he's, I feel like if you look, if you look that good, Sam Williamson, very good looking guy. He's got that swagger. He's got the stud run. We've talked about it before. You can't be Robin. You're not going to be the number two. You're going to flip to the dark side. You're going to be. He's he, you've got to be the alpha and he would be the alpha villain. That's where I'm going. I mean, this this question is so hard because we just have so many likable guys on our team, which is a good thing. Um, so, I mean, it's hard to, to pick like a villain, like no offense, but we don't have like a Montrez Harrell who would like easily fit the bill on this team as like, you know, could turn into a, a, a villain. But if you made me pick, I would say, <laughs> um, I mean, I'm just fucking shooting the breeze here i'd say jj trainer is the superhero um and oh. yeah i'll say uh i'll say jalen withers is the villain all right all right no justification I, whatsoever I, I literally zero i'm just naming player i mean like I don't, that's such a weird question i like everyone on the team like sorry no matter who i say i'm gonna sound like an asshole I will end with this one. Uh, Logan says, what's the final four of your favorite Louisville teams of your lifetime? Who wins and why? They don't necessarily have to be the best teams that we've had. Uh, My four favorite teams, I would go championship team, obviously, 2013. Um, I would throw the 2011 Preston Knowles team in there. I'll say 2003, Patino's second year, the Reese Gaines team, and then the... 97 Dewan Wheat team that went to the regional final. And then I can't, I mean, I can't pick against the 2013 team. Not only did they bring like the first championship of my lifetime, but they were so likable as well. I mean, Russ with the personality, Peyton and Gorgie being the super nice guys, like the, the Kevin Ware storyline, like you can't, you can't beat it. I, I can't go against it. I, I wish I could give a contrarian, like savvy answer, but it's 2013 for me. Yeah, I mean, so you're saying you wouldn't pick the 2010 team. No, that was a joke. Um, I'll say, uh, yeah, I mean, we're we're pretty much, I mean, I think we have the exact answer. Uh, 2005 is definitely there. 2013, um, 2011, the, like, the Marquette, you know, Miracle on Main team. And then... Yeah, I mean, the 97 team was awesome. That was kind of like the first March run that I had. So I'll say them over the 2012 team. All right, I like that. Um, by the way, U of O women advanced in the ACC, ACC tournament 
65-53 win over Wake Forest. They'll play in the semifinals tomorrow night. Shout out to Haley Van Lith. Big time game there. Uh, very, very excited to see them march on. We've got – we'll do predictions here in a second. Do you have a Dan of the Dumps for this week, Dan? I'm putting you on the spot. Um, it, it's a short one. I took my son to the driving range, had to go out and hit some golf balls to kind of get the swing back in form. And there was a putting green over there. So uh, we were like, oh, yeah, we'll head over there. My son's six. And I was like, hey, let's do a putting contest. Just like, you know, joking around with him. Like, there, there was like a couple of times I was like, oh, I'll let him win. And then by like the third time, I'm like trying my hardest. <laughs> I'm like, okay, we're tying here. Something wrong is going on. Um, so it's more of a testament to him. I, I mean, I'm terrible, but he, he's getting better. So not really anything earth shattering, but it was pretty funny watching my son keep up with me on the putting green. Your kid is going to be able to beat you at like almost every sport. And we're coming up here in like four or five years. It's coming. It's coming fast. Yeah, he's uh, he's he definitely is progressing faster than old Dan in the dumps ever did at age six. All right. Predictions. Louisville, Virginia, four o'clock tomorrow. These two teams haven't played. I actually sort of forgot about this with everything that's happened in the past year. The last time Louisville played Virginia, I like had that weird head thing. Oh, yeah. Very, had to go to the hospital. Like I, I kind of. The only thing I remember about the game is we were right there at the end and it had three really atrocious offensive possessions in a row. And then as I was writing the game story, I stopped being able to like process anything and had to go to the hospital. It's been a terrible, uh, terrible 12 months. That's kind of where it started. Do we get revenge um, for, for that? Do we get the double by? Do we get into the NCAA tournament officially? What's your prediction for this game on Saturday? So I think I've been wrong like at least three or four of the last predictions. So <laughs> with that being said, I'm going to go with Virginia winning 64 to 61. Okay. I think we're going to win the game. Um, you know, maybe I look like the dumbest person in the world. I don't know what to expect. I don't know where the team is mentally. I don't know how practice has gone this week um, since the Virginia Tech stuff. I would feel a lot more confident with Malik Williams back in the lineup, but I still feel like they're going to find a way to get this done. And I just don't think Virginia's that good. Now they may be, they can be not good and still be a bad matchup for us. And they can still beat us and all that stuff. We haven't played well against good, tough nosed defensive minded teams so far this year, but I think we find a way to get it done. I think it's going to be Louisville 66, Virginia 62. Uh, Hauser does go nuts, but we find a way. Carly takes over again at the end and uh, solidifies himself as conference player of the year. That's my prediction. I'm sticking to it. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this. If the cards do win, I will be picking against the cards the rest of the season. So just don't be surprised when it happens. Yeah, see, you get to do that thing where it's like, I'm picking us to lose, but actually, I'm only yep. doing I'm doing this for the good of the fan. Like, that's the, the best place to be in. I, that's a, I that's, a, that's an old, old, yeah, old hockey trick for sure. All right. Uh, again, reminding you all, if you can, please subscribe to the, the podcast it helps us out a lot if you can give us a rating uh, if you can leave us a review that helps as well we love to read the reviews on the podcast a couple new ones for this week um from cars 495 he says free money this podcast is the best fantasy golf prediction podcast on the internet <laughs> there are just two catches first you have to listen about louisville basketball for 52 of the 53 minutes and second <laughs> you have to listen after thursday and apply the advice to next week i love that that's that's really good uh, yeah, let's see. Good. Uh, A Zade says, "Love the pod. 
I mean, 580 plus reviews and all five stars. Not much more you can say about that. The pod is great. It filled the void left by losing the radio show. Speaking of which, any guest appearances or interviews with Ramsey on the horizon, Dan is great for his perspective and equally so for giving Mike the opportunity to crack jokes on him. Keep up the good work, guys. Yeah, we need to get John on the pod. We, 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 I don't, yeah, man. I haven't, he texted me last week about the Eric Wood stuff. We kind of went back and forth. I haven't talked to John enough recently. I need to. We could have him do a guest spot maybe before the tournament. That'd be fun. Yeah, no, I, I would, uh, I would wholeheartedly, and even if it didn't work out between the three, I would gladly hand over this spot to John so everyone can reminisce about the good old days between you two. All right, we're going to have, I promise, we're going to get the, uh, the the pods rolling next week. Assuming Louisville doesn't have another game canceled, uh, we are going to have a pod, too, with Keith, where he's going to talk a little bit about football, just to make sure we're covering all the bases there. Uh, hopefully, we're talking about a Louisville win over Virginia and getting ready for the ACC tournament the next time you hear from us. And until that happens, go Cards.